your Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Blackhawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Just want to say thank you as always to everyone out there for making the show your very first listen and a reminder that you can watch and follow for free on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Make sure to do that real quick so that you can get the show when it's available each and every day. Joining me now is none other than a recurring guest at this point, the man himself, Charlie Romeliotis from NBC Sports Chicago to talk all things Blackhawks as we kick into the offseason here. Charlie, as always, man, thank you so much for coming on the show. How's the offseason treating you so far? Of course. What's going on, Jack? So first things first, the last time I was on, you got a you have a new scrolling bottom line. And I was like, man, this is legit. This is like a legit bottom line. Now I'm on and you have this sick new intro. So every time I come on, there's something new to the show. That's very, that's very awesome. So you've been doing some great work. It's I'm happy to join you. I know we, the season's finally winded down and now we'll turn our attention to the draft, but it's nice to, nice to have a little bit of downtime before things ramp up a little bit in a couple yeah. weeks. Absolutely. We were talking about that a little bit before the show. And let me just say, thank you very much. I wish I could take the credit for that stuff. <laughs> of the folks behind the scenes here at the Lockdown Podcast Network. They're not the most artistic or tech savvy, so they've cooked up some good stuff here, but I appreciate the kind words as always, Charlie. Uh, you mentioned last time you were on, I think it was right before the trade deadline, so obviously there's some stuff there that I'm going to want to get into a little bit later on the show, but what I wanted to open things with is the Blackhawks' end of the season, right? They do not wind up finishing in last place. They come in third to last place. That gives them an 11.5% chance of landing the number one overall pick in the 2023 NHL draft lottery. That's creeping up on us. I believe it's just 12 days away now. And with the Blackhawks not finishing last, obviously there was some frustration out of the fan base there. Right. Um, I understand that certainly, but one thing I think a lot of people do forget is the Blackhawks. I believe they lost 12 of their last 14 games. So it's not like they, they were, they were, uh, winning a, a ton of games there down the stretch, right? They did a pretty good job, but the Anaheim Ducks just happened to do it a little bit better. Columbus was always in the mix. Things got a little bit wild there down the stretch, but anyways, the Blackhawks don't finish in last. That causes some frustration from the fan base, but I think at the same time, on the flip side of things, in a lot of those losses that they picked up down the stretch, a lot of them were like true tank losses where they look good and somehow <laughs> it went wrong for them in like the last minute. And then they also picked up some pretty impressive wins, right? Going into Calgary and essentially slashing their playoff hopes. Um, and then same thing with the Pittsburgh Penguins in the last day of the season that led to them, you know, cleaning house. So while the Blackhawks didn't get last place and that's, you know, everyone would have been happy about that. I, I do think they are in a fine spot still. It was always going to come down to the ping pong balls. And there are also some things that I think this group can build on going into next season. So I'm curious, how do you feel about where the Blackhawks finished and kind of their closeout to the regular season? Yeah, well, it's kind of funny because before the season, I think the two teams that were going to be the front runners for or to finish dead last is Arizona and Chicago because they really stripped their roster to the bare bones. And the teams that finished one and two were Anaheim and Columbus. And both of them made 
fairly significant additions over the offseason, right? Look at Columbus, obviously, with Johnny Gaudreau um, was their big marquee free agent splash. And then you look at Anaheim and they get John Klingberg and they sign Ryan Strom and, and they're adding pieces around them. And those are the two teams that finished one and two, or, or I should say 32nd and 31st. And Chicago was the team that finished 30th. So I think that goes to show that it's pretty tough to tank in the NHL or, or let have every, all the stars align the way you want it to. Um, so that's first thing. I think the biggest thing for me is not that the Blackhawks finished third worst. Um, it's, it's the fact that it, there's no guarantee now that they will get a top three pick. Right. The, the, if you finish dead last, we've all known that, yeah, you have the highest odds at getting Bedard, but you also don't you, you also have the possibility of, of landing a top three pick, which is going to be Connor Bedard, Adam Fantilli or likely Leo Carlson. Right now where the Blackhawks finished, as you know, I think and correct me if I'm wrong, I haven't looked at the, the percentages recently, but. It's like the Blackhawks have a 72% chance of either staying at third or falling to four or five. So they essentially have a 25% chance or whatever that is I think to finish more. one or two. Yeah, it's it might like, be worse, actually. Yeah, it might be. I think it's like 22, right? It might be 22-ish it's like, yeah, in that area. Yeah. Right. So it, it's that's the difficult part um, about the lottery coming up is that there's it's more likely than not they actually fall to four or five then stay at three or jump inside the top two right so that's 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 a little bit tricky if, i think if the blackhawks finished dead last it wouldn't have been about well they have the best chance at bedard it's like you would have been satisfied with either one two or three right so i think that's going to be the tricky part as we get closer to the lottery yeah and it sounds i did want to ask you too, kind of a, a two-parter to the nhl draft right uh, the Blackhawks, it feels like, you know, one and two are pretty set in stone at this point. If they do land inside the top two, do you think that changes the mentality at all with the front office this offseason and expedites things at all? And maybe some free agents are looking at Chicago a little bit differently? Or do you think, regardless, the plan is still going to stay the same, whether they're choosing inside the top two or whether they're choosing three, four or five? Yeah, it's a good question. I think the way it would change if they did draft Bedard or Fantilli is those are the two players in my eyes that would probably step into the NHL right away, right? If they got three and Leo Carlson, like they're, you know, or if they got four or five, like those guys might not make the jump immediately to the NHL. So if Bedard or Fantilli do make that immediate jump to the NHL and the Blackhawks landed one or two or either of them, I think they would want to do their best to surround them with a strong supporting cast, or I shouldn't say strong, but a stronger supporting cast than maybe they've had in years past, right? Uh, now, I don't think that necessarily means they're going to go out and give out five, six, seven-year contracts, but I do think they might. we might see, we would see a lot more one, two-year deals to really give those guys uh, some players to play with while also not jeopardizing the futures, the future by giving out term to, to players that might not be here long-term. So I think that's the only way it would change it. And obviously if you get Bedard or Fantilli, maybe that shaves a year off the rebuild. Uh, but I don't think it would necessarily change as far as the overall philosophy for Kyle Davidson. And I did want to ask you too about kind of the free agent plans. Cause we heard Davidson speak recently and, 
it sounds like things are going to be pretty similar to what we saw last offseason, right? Not giving out any term as you just referenced, maybe a couple rental ads that they can flip at the deadline, but they do have some pretty crucial decisions to make in terms of their own unrestricted and restricted free agents. And the first one I wanted to ask you about was Andreas Athanasiu, who kind of had a tale of two halves, right? The first half was not all that good, at least not consistently. Didn't really take advantage of his opportunity when Patrick Kane and Mags Domi were around. But then after they get traded, he winds up then playing his best hockey of the year. I think he closed the year with uh, 20 points in the final 24 games, established some chemistry with Lucas Reichel, was randomly playing center and like looking good while doing it. <laughs> like um, it, he definitely left, left, left a lasting impression, excuse me. Uh, I'm curious, do you think Andreas Athanasiu, like what's the likelihood you think of him coming back? Because we know the Blackhawks do have some money to blow. We saw them give Jared Tenorti $1.25 million, like <laughs> pretty clear right there. They're going to be willing to give out some money. So considering that fact, what chance do you think Athanasiu comes back this offseason? Yeah. So full disclosure, as a fellow Greek, I think he deserves a lifetime contract with the Blackhawks, but that's just me. No, I'm kidding. Um, if I'm Kyle Davidson, I, the most I would go with Athanasiu is three years um, because I think anything beyond three years, now we're dipping into the territory of Korchinski, Nazar, uh, I guess maybe Sam Renzel, like those kinds of players where they're going to need their second contracts. So I wouldn't want to tie up anything beyond three years. And if they they get a top three pick this year where it's Bedard, Fantilli, Leo Carlson, those guys are also going to have maybe fairly expensive second contracts right so i think that's where i that's that would be my max not just for athanasiu maybe for any free agent to be honest with you unless they're going to really be here long term and they fit into the plans in my eyes let's just say hypothetically it is three years or two years i think the most i would go i would not go beyond four million dollars aab so it would it would hopefully it would maybe be in the three million dollar range at three three years my question is I'm not sure, I guess for Athanasiu's point of view, what is he prioritizing? He is prioritizing long-term stability for sure, but he probably realizes that the Blackhawks are not going to be contenders in the near future. So is he okay with that? Does he prioritize wanting the stability while also playing a top six role that might be for a bad team? Or does he mind getting maybe that stability elsewhere, but he might be playing a third line role or might, he might be in and out of the lineup for a contender, right? That's where it gets a little bit dicey for me. I don't know what's in Athanasiu's head and what he is prioritizing. For sure, it's long-term stability. He's changed teams four different times over the last three years, but I'm sure he wants it to be the right situation too. Um, so we'll, we'll see how that plays out. But yeah, if I'm the Blackhawks, the most I would go is three years. And I would definitely keep it below $4 million AAV at the very, at the very most. I, I had a similar conversation on my show about Mags Domi, right? And wondering what he would kind of prefer because we heard him kind of talk about how he's bounced around the NHL and hasn't had that stability. It's pretty much the same case as Andreas Athanasiu. So it's kind of interesting hearing that those two guys are, you know, kind of thinking the same things and kind of along the same career path where they're still trying to figure it out and not just be the, these rentals and moving around from place to place. Um, <clears throat> but speaking of Max Domi, obviously he's in the playoffs right now with the Dallas Stars. If uh, I feel like the Blackhawks, this is very unlikely. I doubt they bring back both. But if you had to choose one, Athens or Domi, 
I talked on my show about how I, I ha- if I had to guess one of those two is coming back, which one would you rather have? Would it be Domi or Athanasio? That's a really good question. And I, it might depend on the contract situations for both. Like if you're telling me that I'll get Athanasio on a two or three year deal at a $3 million cap hit, that looks pretty appealing. If Max Domi is closer to a four year deal and it's, closer to maybe a five-year, uh, $5 million AAV, then it's like, you know, I, I don't know. Do I want to give that fourth year out? I know he could be valuable as more of a stopgap type option. And even when the Blackhawks are competitive again by maybe year three or four in this scenario, Domi could probably still have a, a uh, be a piece inside the top nine and not really take away from what the Blackhawks have coming up in the system. But it goes back to it. What I'm saying about, you know, Korchinski and whether it's Bedard, Fantilli, Carlson, whoever, Lucas Reichel also might be on his third contract by year four, right? Because he's he's got that, you know, what if he signs a two-year bridge deal on his second contract and then, you know, he cashes out with a larger payday. So there's just a lot of unknowns. So I think, you know, it's a really good question, Jack. Um, I think I like Domi the player better, but I might like the situation for Athens CU better. You know, so it's it's a tough one. But I, I, if if you had to like, if I holding my feet to the fire, maybe I'm leaning Domi a little bit, just because I like the competitiveness. I, I like what the entire package brings, even even if I might not like the contract situation. All right. I hope you all are enjoying part one of my conversation with Charlie Romeliotis. This conversation will continue on in just a moment. But first, I need to talk to you all about Indeed. No matter how the last game went, anytime you take the field, you've got a shot at greatness. Give your team the best shot at winning by recruiting more MVPs with Indeed. Because Indeed is the hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. And Indeed is the only job site where you're guaranteed to find quality applications that meet your must-have requirements or else you don't pay. So instead of spending hours on multiple job sites hoping to find candidates with the right skills, you need one powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. Find great talent through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match assessments and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, as soon as you sponsor a post, you get a short list of quality candidates with resumes on Indeed that match your job description, and you can invite them to apply right away. So start hiring right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash lockdown. Offer valid through April 31st. Make sure to go to Indeed.com slash lockdown to claim your $75 credit before April 31st. Indeed.com slash lockdown. Right. I kind of feel the same way. And I almost feel like, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but I feel like for a Blackhawks group that's up and coming, Max Domi is more of a player you want to learn from, right? Like, I feel like he's more of got that embodiment that work that works hard, is gritty, has some sandpaper, can play up and down the lineup as he really proved this year. Um, so it will be interesting to see if the Blackhawks do wind up bringing back either of those two guys. Um, you just mentioned Kevin Korchinski, Charlie, who is having another mammoth season and is one of three Blackhawks prospects that's on that wagon. That is the Seattle Thunderbirds. That is just, I mean, must be must see action up there in Seattle. Uh, I think they outscored uh, 
Prince George like 25 to five or something in their second round sweep of them. But Kevin Korchinski is putting up big numbers once again in the WHL. And I don't know, it just feels like there's not much more for him to really prove at that level after another pretty dominant season there. What are the chances you think of Korchinski electing to turn pro once Seattle's campaign comes to a close? Yeah, this is also a really good question only because or strictly because uh, Korchinski can't play in the AHL next season because of the CHL rules, as you know. So it's basically NHL or back to Seattle for another year, right? And I, I'm not sure if, you know, I'm not sure where the fan base lies, uh, but I, I think sending him back to Seattle for another year is probably better for his development as opposed to being with the Blackhawks full-time. And I say this because we look at, recent history with the Blackhawks prospects, Adam Bolquist, Kirby Dock. Um, and then I'm just looking at some of the guys that were rushed to the NHL recently. Like I look at Cole Sillinger. He played in the NHL right away after he got drafted. What was it? 12th or 11th overall by Columbus. That was Chicago's pick. Um, there are just some other players in the NHL or other draft picks, high end draft picks in the last couple of years that have been rushed to the NHL. And once you rush them to the NHL and try to undo it, you've already lost it. So I think I would rather Korchinski go back to Seattle, tear it up there again, feel like, okay, I cannot prove anything else over here. And then by year, because he's still young, he's still 19 years old. You know, it takes, it takes a couple extra years for, for defensemen to develop in the NHL. And I would hate for him to be with the Blackhawks full time in a situation that is not conducive to, you know, playing winning hockey. You know, if the shot attempts are are always, you know, 60 to 40 for the opponent and the scoring chances are 45 percent for the opponent or um, 55 percent for the opponent, 45 for Chicago like that. You know, it's just it's not conducive to development. So I, I would send him back to Seattle let him get another year there and then let him knock on the door the next year and play full-time with the Blackhawks where you know for sure he is going to be ready for North America. You know, that's a really good point that you bring up. You might have just changed my mind on that whole situation because this is does feel like a story that we have seen before. And for a guy like Korchinski, it feels like the biggest things that he needs to work on is the defensive side of his game and just getting bigger. Like he's got the size, but it's kind of about building out that frame now and especially on a Blackhawks team next season, that's probably not going to be much better than they were this year. He'd be doing a lot of defending stuck in his own end. Like it might not suit exactly what he's trying to grow at or what he's trying to do. And I think that's a valid point. Leave him no doubt about what he's doing up in Seattle. He can feel like he's the man up there. Right. And then confidence. What a 19, 20 year old will probably be sky high coming into the NHL. So I do think that's a really good point that, that you bring up that, being patient with a guy like Kevin Korchinski, the Blackhawks are certainly in a spot to do that. And also on the blue line next year, this is one thing I wanted to get into as well is, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty crowded group already. And there are some other decisions that they got to make on, on the back end there too. Right. One guy I wanted to ask you about is Caleb Jones, who feels like he's in just like such a peculiar situation because of his relationship with Seth, obviously, uh, who could potentially be the next captain of the Blackhawks. It feels like the nice thing to do, right, would be 
to bring Caleb back, but we all know this is a business and nice things don't cut it around here. So what, what do you think about Caleb Jones's situation going into this off season? And then after that, I'm going to ask you about a couple more of UFAs and RFAs. All right, this chat will finish up part one of this chat with Charlie Romeliotis. We'll finish up in just a second, but first I need to talk to you all about game time, which is the perfect place for last minute ticket deals. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful and game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. And I personally have used game time since well before they were an ad for the show and it's always been a simple and cheap way for me to purchase my tickets. I also love how they send me images of my seats along with event cancellation protection. So go and download the game time app, create an account and use the promo code Locked on NHL in all caps for $20 off your first purchase. Again, all you got to do is create an account and redeem the code Locked on NHL in all caps to get $20 off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed game time. Sure. So I think it's interesting because it depends on what the Blackhawks want to do next year with their back end. It is is next year a year where you want to bring up Vlasic, you want to bring up Isaac Phillips, you want to give Wyatt Kaiser time and just let them have the ice and let them have them or let have let them have the minutes, or is it going to be another year like this year where you want to bring in a Jack Johnson, you want to have a Jake McCabe around, you want to have those veterans to shoulder those types of responsibilities so that the young defensemen are not in over their heads and they're just getting skated around by the opponents right that's the tricky part in my view I think Alex Vlasic is going to be a full-time NHLer next year I would even say I think Isaac Phillips is really going to knock on the door I was in Rockford a couple weeks ago covering that last game or or the the game against the Chicago Wolves and Isaac Phillips and Alex Vlasic to me they were on the ice every other shift and I, I actually asked someone in the organization, I was like, how many minutes did they play tonight? Because it felt like 30 and it was, it was 25 for each, but it felt like 30. Like they were and Alex classic specifically. He's on Rockford's number one power play unit right now. We don't think of him as a, like a, as a power play, especially he more as like penalty kill. So that gets me thinking to, to circle back on your question. Caleb Jones was typically the power play quarterback on the second unit, right? If you're going to have a Kaiser, if you're going to have a Phillips or a Vlasic in the NHL next year, maybe Caleb is expendable. You let him walk because you're going to give that ice time on the power play to Alex Vlasic or to Wyatt Kaiser, whoever it is, right? So I think that's where the Blackhawks would, would have to wrestle with. If they want to shelter their young guys, maybe bring back Caleb for another year. If they want to open up that ice time in spots for the younger defensemen, then I, I think he's probably a good candidate to to – be uh to not be given a qualifying offer yeah and for ian mitchell it it feels like this is a good time for him to get a fresh start elsewhere so i'm not really going to ask you about him but i did want to ask you about a guy who is in a little bit of a different spot in alec regula it feels like um he's kind of gotten out of the pecking order at least with all the defensemen that are in the system right now but he still is playing a top pairing role for the rockford ice hogs right now along with isaac phillips who we just talked about and it feels like Regula, if he were to get re-signed, there wouldn't be any chance for him to probably start in the NHL unless something crazy happened this offseason, right? But I'm curious, do you think there's any 
interest for him to come back and be a defenseman in Rockford again next season and to continue to see how his development process goes? Or do you think he also kind of falls in the same category as Ian Mitchell, where we have a lot of bodies here and maybe it's time for a fresh start? Yeah, so it's an interesting question because Alec Regu, like he did get jumped on the depth chart this year, right? But he is still playing significant minutes in Rockford. So like to me, you brought up Ian Mitchell. He's for sure a candidate to not be back with the Blackhawks only because of the way they used him uh, down the stretch last year. They wanted their young defenseman to either be playing with the Blackhawks or playing significant minutes with Rockford. Ian Mitchell was doing neither, you know, so that, that tells me that's <laughs> what they think of him in his future in Chicago, right? Regula is still playing those significant minutes in Rockford, and he he still fits the mold of what the Blackhawks want from their defenseman. Big, uh, I want to say physical because that's not his type of game, but he's a big mobile defenseman, right? The problem is he's not playing, you know, like he was on the power play units at the beginning of the season, but he's not on that first unit now. So is he a guy the Blackhawks feel if he gets brought back to Rockford specifically, he can be more of a veteran type presence or are the Blackhawks going to say, you know what, we'd rather give that ice time in Rockford to someone else that we actually feel like is going to be here in the long term, And we'll just not give him a qualifying offer and just let him go wherever, because I don't know if there's a ton of value in, in regular right now, it would really take a team that wants to take a flyer on him as a potential piece. So he's the X factor for me, as far as, I can't really. I don't really know exactly what's going to happen with him. I would probably lean toward he might not be back. Um, he is just because, like you mentioned, Vlasic, Phillips, Kaiser, all those guys feel like they've jumped him on the depth chart. But you know, we'll we'll see what happens as we get closer to that qualifying offer deadline. 